0: Hi there, and welcome to Vox Talk, your weekly review from the world of voiceover. I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli from Voices. In the studio with me today is award-winning writer Phil Lawler. Phil has created, written, produced, and performed in dozens of audio video series. To name just a handful of them, everybody, Adventures in Odyssey, Jungle Jam and Friends, The Wubbulous World of Dr. Seuss, The Mr. Men Show, Olivia, and Tom and Jerry. He's also an adjunct professor in the Cinematic Arts and Communication Studies departments at Azusa Pacific University. Welcome to the show, Phil.
1: Oh, thank you very much. What a wow, I didn't read that thing it sounds like I'm 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 impressed. I'm impressed by me. Wow, that's amazing.
0: <laughs> it's so funny. I think whenever anyone looks back at their bio, especially if they've been in the business for any length of time, they're like, Whoa, this thing grew like super huge and, and uh and I as I say, like I have just scraped the tip of the iceberg with <laughs> Phil's background here. So I'm hoping over a number of episodes we'll have you come back, Phil. What I'd like to focus on is audio drama. And okay. that's really how I got introduced to your work in the first place. Mm -hmm. So um, what can you tell us about your love for writing for audio drama?
1: Well, I I, I have to tell you, I think that uh, audio drama is the best kind of storytelling there is. I I love telling stories through audio drama. I've written videos, I've written film, written for television, um, written animated shows. Uh, But audio drama is the best for me and the reason why is because we're just providing the soundtrack you get to provide the film you get to provide the visuals in your head and and what's lovely about that is that everybody's visuals are different so uh, it's got to be active participation by you it's it's you can you when you're watching a film it can be very passive it can just be in the background and you really don't have to engage in it if you don't want to it can just be there but in audio drama you've got to pay attention you've got to really be engaged with it yourself. It's theater of the mind. That's why I love it. I think it's just a wonderful, wonderful way of telling stories.
0: And that's exactly it. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Audio, I think an audio drama in particular is just so like personal, you know, and and it comes right into your mind. You have ideas of what the character looks like or the setting and all that. So um, yeah, writing for that kind of Experience is very different I would think than writing for other mediums.
1: Sure. It is Uh, The reason why is that film and television are visual mediums uh, of course and books are are Something different in and of themselves Audio drama is uh, you you have to do everything through the voice and through sound obviously and that means that um, The picture that you have to paint through words whether it's dialogue or whether it's sound effects uh, has to be very vivid and so you have to um, you have to figure out how to um, to do that to paint that picture in in your listeners' minds without telling them everything. So audio drama is really all about subtext. If you're doing it right, um, we ha- we have. In fact, I just had a conversation with a, a couple of um, students who want to write, um, and they were asking me about this, and I said we we try to avoid what I call the gun I'm holding in my left hand is loaded dialogue. <laughs> You know, because that's the tendency that people will have, because how, how, how else am I supposed to tell everybody what's going on right now? So you have to figure out how to make that happen. How do, that, how do those action sequences work? Uh, what can you do in order to, um, to not tell everybody blatantly, this is what's going on right now, and instead do it through dialogue and do it through the sound effects and the music? And that's, that's what makes it really exciting for me. It's, a difficult, uh, it's difficult to master. We've had a lot of, of folks come in, uh, for instance, on Adventures and Odyssey, who want to write for the program, but they're used to writing for film. And we have to go, they, they'll send in story ideas, or they'll send in an outline or something, and we'll say, this is, way, this is really visual. What you have here is very visual. I'd work on film easily, but in an audio drama, how are we supposed to, how are we supposed to uh, present that? And so it, it just requires a little mind shift. You have to, as a writer, you have to mind shift and say, okay, I'm, I'm all I have, the, the tools that I have to write are dialogue and sound effects, and then for mood uh, is m- music. That's how I can tell the story. That's all I've got. How do I use those to tell stories? And so it's a, it's a fun, it's, uh, it's the reason I love it so much. is So it's pretty hard, but yet it's very, very rewarding. I am thrilled every single time. This works every single time. Um, <laughs> it's amazing to me how when you listen to something that's done in playback, how you realize we just created something out of nothing. There was nothing there. There was nothing. There's not a room there. There's no room. There's no there's no doors. There's no there it, it's nothing. We're just creating stuff out of thin air and that's that's the other thing I love about audio drama. It's it you can do anything. You can do anything in it and you don't have to have a a trillion dollar budget in order to be able to do that like you do in films.
0: Exactly. You do have to have the know-how though as you've said this is a medium Uh, To write for that is not like you have to think really hard about sound effects, about music and and how that informs the emotional aspect of the storytelling. But then also the voices would also play a a big role in that because the actors are, are, you know, just like every other component in that production. They bring with their instruments sure. something that complements what you're doing as storytellers. So um, that is another area I wanted to talk about, just creating characters. So mm-hmm. when you're writing for this world where people are creating images in their mind of what a character looks like or how they walk and talk, then how, how do you have to think differently about that? Is, is, can you give us some insight?
1: Well, um, I'll use the main character of Adventures and Odyssey, John Avery Whitaker. Everybody calls him Wit. And when I created that character, I wanted to give him some distinctive audio um, trademarks, basically. So he walks with a limp. Um, you don't really notice it very much, and we don't, do, we don't make a big deal out of it, but it's because he was in the war. I won't say which war because everybody would go, what, what, that war, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> but he was in the war, and he got in, he got wounded. He was wounded, and so he walks with a slight limp. And uh, and also a shell fragment actually took off. This is this is a very visual thing, but a shell fragment took off part of his ear. Oh. So in any artwork that we have, we always make sure I always make sure that the artists understand. Wait a minute, you can't do that kind of an angle on him because he's missing an upper part of his ear. You have to either hide that with his hair or you have to reveal that. Um, but as far as that's concerned, yeah. Uh, and then and then we also listen, of course, for the voice. What is it that we want the characters to sound like? How do we want them to um, portray their character? And how do we want them to say the lines? And it's really interesting. You can get um, a a person with a certain type of voice into the studio, and they will sound – if they don't have a distinctiveness to their voice – we always look for distinctiveness in voices, especially depending on the type of character – and if they don't have a distinctiveness, but they have a really nice voice, then it's kind of like, okay, well, that the edge may be what's what's distinctive about the voice. How does that how does that work when we're doing casting? Um, and so we ha- just have to go through. We, I have I have something in my head, you know, when I'm writing these characters out in the dialogue with that I want them to say. I have something in my head, and I kind of uh, describe that to the people who do the casting for the show for for Adventures and Odyssey, for instance. And uh, and then we just we you know we we send out the sides to the agents like everybody else and then uh, they read everybody reads and based on the description and then we start going back and saying okay can you redo this one try it this way for me try it that way for me Um, and it's similar to I'm sure it's similar to every other process of casting in any other medium but uh, the voice is everything for us so if you've got a distinctive way of delivering the the lines that that gives us a plus. Um, for me, in casting, that gives me a plus. I, I would I would go with somebody who's distinctive over somebody who's polished any day.
0: Mm-hmm. And and like having that distinctive sound, like it's just something you have or you don't. I suppose, sure. right?
1: Sure. Yeah. I, I you know um, Katie Lee, who plays Connie on our program, and she has been in a billion and a half. <laughs> she's been in everything during during the, during her career. She's another one that has a long long list of credits. But she talks about uh, a lot about, I don't want to steal her story, but she talks a lot about how when she was uh, young, she had a very high voice. She, she still has a very high voice. She can play a teenager. But she's, she's, uh, she's made a career out of this, having this very high voice that she thought, of course, when she was younger, um, that it was a drawback. Why do I have this high voice? Why am, why am I being cursed with this high voice? Oh, dear, oh, dear. And then she realizes, no, I can make a whole career out of using this voice. I can make a career out of having a personality. Her, her personality is such that she uh, likes to talk. She likes to talk a lot. And she, she likes to you know uh, have, uh, make jokes and have fun and, and that sort of thing. And all of a sudden, what is a drawback, say, in, a, in, a, in an elementary or junior high or high school setting is a plus when you're out looking for work as a voice actor because you want the distinctive voice. You, you want that. Um, so if you have that kind of a situation going with you, anybody who's listening to this, you have that a voice that seems like, oh, you know, my voice has this weird thing that it goes. I sound, I hate the sound of my voice. It sounds very, very strange. Well, maybe it's exactly what a voice casting person is looking for. Um, so you know, don't give up on that. The things that can seem like drawbacks in normal life are really pluses when you're talking about animated and uh, and and uh, audio drama voices.
0: Well said. I know that that's true regardless of of what it might be. Maybe it's a physical injury that someone's had or they're, you know, for whatever other reason, they're just like, well, I don't meet the specs for most things on camera, but off camera, that's a whole other ball game, right? No one can see you. You can do, you can be a talking squirrel. You can be (laughs) any number of different things, an inanimate object, like the, you know, animation, the sky is the limit. So um, we all have,
1: we've all been all of those things. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. So I, I think that's really interesting as the writer that obviously you're very hands-on in, mm-hmm. in designing how the voice should be mm-hmm. spoken from, you know, your written word, the cues, um, all the, the sides and so on that you're sending, but just how involved in the casting process are you? Is this something where you attend these or you, you actually help to narrow down and pick the, the person who will cast for each role?
1: Yes. Uh, it, it depends. Um, usually, uh, I'm involved. I get involved at the end game of that. So um, we'll send out the sides to all the agents, and then of course you get just dozens and dozens and dozens of voices of aud- auditions, and then usually that goes through a process. There are other folks who listen to that. The producers, some of the other producers, will listen to that and then say, okay, this is not really right. The, it's not that the acting wasn't any good or the voices weren't any good. It's just not really right for us. And so we they call those down to, you know, about 10 or 10 or 12 voices that then they send to me. And, and so I'm on the end stage of that process. And so I, I listen to those 10 or 12 voices and say, okay, this one's good. This one's not quite right. This one's pretty good. And then I go through those a couple of different times. Um, and to, to just try to weed out, by uh, process of elimination, which one I think will work the best. There are some of course that, that you, you just hear once and you go, yep, I don't need to hear anybody else. This is the right guy. You know, yep, this is the right person. It rarely, rarely, rarely happens, but it has happened on occasion where you just hear this person reading the thing. And you go, yep, they got it. They understand what I'm going for here. And uh, let's go ahead and cast them. I don't need to hear anybody else. But because um, I just want to say this the, I'm a writer director. So I direct on, on Odyssey, especially, I direct all of, I do the voice direction on all of my own shows. Um, and so that's why, that's another reason why I'm involved in the process of casting. Um, but I think that I would be involved in it even if I weren't directing my own shows. Um, if it, if I were just doing the writing of them, I would still have a say in the um, in the casting process. So, um, so yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of fun. It's 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 work. It's not. It's not. It's not easy. Um, you know, and the other thing, of course, is that I've been on the other side as an actor myself. I've been on the other side of of the audition going, oh, I, I know I got this part. This is my part. I know I got. It. And of course, you don't, you know, you don't hear back or you hear back and say, well, you were close, but sorry. No, that's just part of the business.
0: Right. And that is definitely part of the business. So anyone who's listening, like, just take the heart what you're hearing Phil say. It's they have something in their head. They already mm-hmm. know what they're going for. You know, the. Uh, that voice, you know, whether it's finalized or not is moving around and breathing and having its own exactly. life inside the head of the writer and, and yeah. they've created. The, so if your voice actually matches what they are looking for, then that's awesome. But if it isn't, then don't worry about it because, it's, you know, you'll be right for something else. And exactly. And I think that's really important for everyone to, to understand and to hear because... You could see a script and think I would be amazing at this, and who hasn't said that, right? Like this sure. is my job, I'm going to land this, and and then all of a <laughs> sudden you find out, you know, so and so, and you know, the other room has just booked it, and you're like, oh, but you know, that's just how it goes, and yeah. and you can't you can't be sad about it. You just have to be happy for everyone, and you, really, ultimately, what the goal is. Is that that crew, that production crew, they need to find the right voice that is going to breathe life into that character and connect with an audience. And you have done that so exceptionally well with the programming that you've been part of. I know Odyssey, One Penguins. Um, there's a whole host of other shows here that, you know, we could go on for days talking about them. But, um, you know, like these are shows that I know I've personally been impacted by and have admired the work that's being done on them. Not only are you hiring really fantastic, talented actors, you are hiring amazing people. And I think that goes as part of it, too, is like the casts that you've put together with with your teammates are are not just, you know, people who show up to work, record and leave. Like they have community, and they're yep. really, really excited about the work. And Odyssey is now in its thirty fifth year. So <laughs> like when you think about the continuity, the um the just, the energy that that the actors are bringing, but also just like, the feeling that they are part of something bigger. I think that that has been a hallmark of the productions you've been involved with.
1: Well, we certainly try to create a family atmosphere uh, in the studio. Um, That's been so damaging for us with COVID because the regulations now in the studio um, keep everybody apart. Um, We record at a place called Salami Studios and Salami has isolation booths uh, that they use for different things, but now they've come in really handy because of COVID regulations. And so, you know, usually we would we would just record what we call family style with everybody in the same room and everybody's interacting with each other. And and it just makes for, you know, a a more um, lively and engaged uh, kind of kind of a session. Uh, But everybody has to be so everybody has to be separate now and and their voices are all piped into everybody's headphones, which is fine. Um, but sometimes you really kind of want to look across the room at the person that, that you're playing opposite of and kind of get their read on things and the facial expressions. And it just helps. It, it helps a lot to have everybody um, in, in the studio together. And then it helps with that camaraderie that you're talking about um, that, that's even even off mic, you know, even outside of the studio uh, where we try to go to dinner with everyone afterwards. And we want everybody to stick around and we want to hear about your lives. You know, we, wanna, we want everybody to, to know each other really, really well. Uh, because that just helps um, helps with the uh, with the the recording as well, with the recording and interpretation of the scripts. The sh- types of shows that we do are adventure shows and our uh, family drama type of shows, and because of that, we want everybody to understand um, each other a, a little better, and we want everybody to play off of that with each other. And the only way that you can do that realistically is to get to know each other a little bit more. Um, so we, we, we like that and, and you're right. I mean, um, we've all worked on different kinds of shows, uh, throughout this industry. And, uh, it's, it's always very gratifying to me that the actors kind of want to stick around after they finish the, after they finished working on the, you know, whatever they've done, whatever we've hired them to do, they like sticking around. They want to talk. They want to, you know, we, we have a very good relationship. We try to get as, as, as good of a relationship as we can. We want everybody to feel a part of the process. Um, and I just have to say, the actors ha- just—they—they they take the scripts that we write, and you all do. You know, you—you've been there. You just take the characters and just make them wonderful. Um, I just—I I will tell you as a writer myself, there have been so many times, and I've written what I consider to be, if I may say so, in all modesty, a great, wonderful script. And then I get it into the studio, and I didn't even—you re- guys take it and just make it soar. And that's what's so wonderful about this uh, this whole process and the whole business of audio drama, um, your your voices and the, the the things that you all add to the characters, uh, are are the special moments um, that make the the show continue on and have have made the show run now for thirty five years, and hopefully it'll continue on with that. We're almost at a thousand episodes. We're just shy wow. of a thousand episodes now. So,
0: oh my goodness, wow, that is wild. Like, it's just been such a joy to interact with the various actors you've had on your show. Like Katie Lee, of course, has been on Vox Talk. Sure. She it was yeah. a wonderful guest. Um I know I've always, always loved the work of any of the gentlemen who have played um, Mr. Whitaker. Like yes. that is just, yeah. I think that, that those would be one of those, we knew it when we heard him type voices. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, Townsend Coleman, another amazing like actor too, who who has been involved in, um, Jess just, Harnell. Just yeah. the best.
1: All these guys are just the best. They're so wonderful. All of them. Uh, you know, we've been, we were uh, one of the other ways that we've just been, you know, blessed in, in, in so many ways. I grew up in the 60s. That's when I came of age, and I grew up with 60s television. And I saw, when, I, when we started doing Adventures in Odyssey, we were able to get most, all of these actors who were on television shows that I grew up with. And they, they weren't really doing a lot of television appearances anymore, but they were more than willing to come and do this show on the radio. And and uh, it was like, wow, this is amazing. I'm I'm, I'm with Hal Smith here, and Walker Edmiston, and, and Dave Madden, and Parley Bear, and... Kenny Mars and, you know, all of these great, great actors who were on all of the shows that I grew up on. And they're on our show. They're here. Wow. <laughs> this is, wow, this is so amazing. And uh, uh, so, and and what was great about those guys is they had such a breadth of knowledge, too, and experience in show business. Um, you know, Janet Waldo, who, who, she was, you know, she played Judy Jetson. And, and it was just a wonder, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful a- actors and actresses who had been around forever. And they had this wonderful knowledge, this breadth of knowledge. Um, Alan Young, who was who was you know on on Mister Ed, and uh, just just great great stories. And you didn't have to really explain a lot of stuff to them about what you were looking for and what you wanted to do. You just let them do what they do, and they just made it brilliant.
0: Wow, <laughs> I can't stop saying that word with you, Mister. Like this is just. Like, just just the sheer, <laughs> um, you know, number of people, credits, so on, like, it's that alone is just, oh, my goodness. But, like, just the impact that the shows have had as well and that continuity, the people who've wanted to be involved, mm-hmm. I'm sure they approached you, you know? I'm Like, the way you said, oh, my gosh, they're on the show. Like, like <laughs> it's some of these things, they, you know, it's just when you were working at a certain level— Uh, at which you're working, then you'd be amazed at the people who are interested in wanting to be involved in the show. So, like, I just think that that's, that's, you know, beautiful that that happens, too. Speaking of which, so the show's running for like thirty-five years now. Um, how do you keep things fresh? Like, there's you know people who start listening now who are new, and then there's people who remember growing yep. up on Odyssey. Um, how is it that you can both keep that sense of what the show was in the beginning and then introduce <laughs> that to to new listeners at the same time?
1: Well, I, you know, the the short answer is I don't know. I have I have no idea. <laughs> I don't I don't know how we've done it. Uh, the, the longer answer I would think would a little more analytical answer would probably be, uh, all of the shows are there. So we also have a streaming service, uh, the adventures in Odyssey club that you can, you can log on to and you get all almost a thousand episodes. They're all there. So everybody can start from the beginning and you can, you know, you can hear how we, how we did it way back when, um, versus, versus how, how things are going now. Um, and I think it's just, we try to deal with universal themes and, 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 but deal with them in accordance with the times as well. You know, we try to change certain things. We believe on the show that there are certain things that don't change about life, universal themes that don't change about life, about, you know, why lying is wrong. For instance, it's wrong to lie and it's wrong to, you know, things that are right and wrong. And. Um, and we try to stick with those, um, those kinds of themes um, throughout the shows. But then it's just it's just a matter of how um, how we're going to present that. Uh, what 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 more clever way can we use to present that? And part of it is new characters. Well, you know, some uh, kids, obviously, when you've been on the air for thirty five years, they're going to age out. Um, so there are some kids that we've had who've who've gone uh, on, <laughs> as a matter of fact, uh, just as a side note, two of the kids that started out on the show thirty five years ago thirty five years ago uh, they're married. Um, they they got married. They have kids of their own and now grandkids. So, wow! So and and they started when they were fairly young on the show. So that just shows you how long the show has been on the air. Oh but my um, yeah, That's so great. it's it's really it's it's stunning. I mean, they're they 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 in their family have two generations of listeners now that they're raising on this show. And uh, uh, my own son was born the, the year I was creating Adventures in Odyssey. So he's, he, he is as old as the program is. That was a real fun thing to watch him get old enough to be able to listen to the program and understand it. And then, and then he bought right into it, you know, and it was so much fun to, to watch that. But um, I, I, think, I think going back to your question, I think it's just a matter of trying to stick with those universal themes. The, the, we want uh, people to, to, to um, be equipped to deal with um, matters of courage and matters of, of, of faithfulness and matters of um, you know, uh, cardinal virtues, if you will, in their daily lives. How does that work? How does that play out? And I think that's how we try to stay fresh, as fresh as we can, just new ways of presenting those old values um, and those old virtues, those solid things that we all kind of have inside of us and that we know this is, this is the way we should behave, this is what we do and um and so i think that that just resonates with people i think that's how um new new generations come into the listening audience the listening family there's a there's a lot of fun um fan sites out there that argue the uh, you know no 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 the old ones are better than the new ones no 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 the new ones are better than the <laughs> old ones and you i'm like i think they're all good so <laughs> yeah new of course or old, you know You're they're a all my biased. they're all my children <laughs> so hey 35 years worth of kids
0: mhm Wow. Yeah. Keeping things fresh. But I think it's, 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 it go back to that old Broadway song. You've got old situations with new complications. Exactly. So that's really all it is, right? Exactly. So I think, yeah, it's like writing for a series, but writing for people is like what you're doing is you're writing to the human experience and you're mm-hmm. helping people to to go through different things in their lives and to show them that they're not alone.
1: Right. Exactly. That's exactly it. Um, they're, 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 you have family and friends around you. Um, for me, also the thing that I've learned um, a great deal about and this is this is ma- mainly a function of teaching more than anything else. When I teach writing and I teach these courses, um, I just learned that story is everything. Story is all we have. Um, life is life is story, um, and uh, when you think about your own life in a, in a daily on a daily basis. If you think about it in terms of story, if you think, oh, I'm just going through a terrible time and I'm stuck in a rut and I'm never going to get out of this rut, well, that's just not true at all. Just wait a little bit. The story changes. Remember where you are in the story. Um, you know, the stories have an, a, an ineffable quality about them. Um, you can be really high and this is going to be, this is great. I'm on top of the mountain. This is fantastic. And we know what happens next in stories. Usually that means you're due for a trip down to the valley. Yes. And when you're in the valley... You can be slogging through the muck, and it's terrible, and my life is awful, and I think my life is over. But really, what happens next in stories? Nobody really stays in the valley. They kind of climb out of it. They climb out of it a little bit, or maybe fall back in, and then they climb out a little bit more, and then they they, they reach their uh, they struggle and struggle and overcome obstacles, and that's it. Then they get to the top of the of, of the mountain again, you know, only to be able to go back into the valley. But each of those successes just prepares you. For going back into the valley and each of those things in the valley should prepare you for how you handle the next success that comes along Well, that's exactly what story is, isn't it? I mean you are the protagonist of your own story you have your dramatic need and you are in a dramatic situation and um, And now there are obstacles being set in your path uh, Preventing you from achieving your dramatic need and how will you overcome them? That's that story. That's it And story is everything. That's all we are.
0: Exactly. That is, there is nothing to add to what you just Hmm. said. That was brilliant. Wow. So, Phil, like, while we've got you here, I I know you're (laughs) in the midst of working on something new. I think you're going to teach some writers about how they can do what you do. So can you tell us a bit about that new project?
1: Well, I've been teaching for about 10 years now at the university level, and I've been teaching courses in writing and teaching courses in popular culture. And, uh, I, have been going on and off. I'm just, I'm, I'm an adjunct professor, so I'm not on staff anywhere. I'll teach at any place that'll have me, uh, teach. But then I thought, you know what, maybe I should take these courses, especially the writing courses and, um, and, uh, make them available to people outside of the university. It's a university level course that I'm developing, uh, that I, that I teach and I want to. I want to, I'm, I'm, What I'm doing is retooling it so that way I can make it available to people who want to uh, understand foundational elements of story, and um, what what makes what makes a story click, and how you can recognize those elements of story in your own life. And so that's 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 what I'm working on right now. In addition to still writing Odyssey, still directing Odyssey, still doing other uh, audio drama, uh, <laughs> you know, audio drama projects for other people. Um, I've got a couple of books that I've got to finish up here um, on, uh, that are Odyssey-related. Our main character is John Avery Whitaker, and I, we, we have a book series out that is him as a boy, how, cool. he became, how he became the big character that he is right now. They're a lot of fun. I just finished book five. That's the first series of books is books one through five, so I just finished book five. And then there's another series of books for the main villain on Odyssey is a guy named Blackard. And uh, there's the Blackard Chronicles. I've got about three more books in that series to get that out. So got a lot of stuff to do. Ah, so much. Yeah,
0: stuff. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun, <laughs> but at the same time, I totally get that it's work. And so wit. Now I know one of the characters calls him wit. Yeah. And then there's like other ones just say wit. So wit is the right way to say wit, Mister Writer.
1: It's wit. There's no. Yep. Who, there's no who in it. It's just wit.
0: Ah, okay. It's always best to ask the writer because you never know what it is that they. <laughs> oh, had you in know, mind. you
1: you'd think that's true, but then everybody will argue. I've I've never had so many arguments with people online about things that happened to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. You
1: know, you get you get the fan base coming in and they're going, you know, when when this happened, this thing happened here and that happened there, and I said, really? Because I was there, and none of that happened, really. <laughs> and then people go, Oh, come on, yeah, it did. It really did, because I have an authority that somebody. I'm like, Yeah, but they weren't even there. Those people weren't there. How- how would they know what happened? I was there. I can tell you exactly what happened. But you know, it's, it, you hear these stories of, of folks and, it, and it's really funny how when they actually happen to you. Um, uh, uh, Rowan Atkinson, I saw a, an interview with him just recently and he was talking about how people will look at him and he played Mr. Bean and mm-hmm. people will look at him. And he said, I came across one guy in particular who looked at him and he said, you know, this guy looked at him and said, you know, has anyone ever told you that you look exactly like Mr Bean you know and Rowan Atkinson said well yes I'm I'm actually the guy who plays Mr Bean I'm I'm Rowan Atkinson who plays him and the guy looked at him and said yeah I bet you I bet you were I bet you do. you know I bet you do wish that you were that guy he probably has a lot of money you know they just don't believe that you're you you know and they don't believe that. it's it's very funny it's it's a, it's a it's a strange and fun and wonderful situation to be in um this quite amusing sometimes so I, we used to get on Jungle Jam. I used to get a lot of uh, people who would call up and say, "Hey, you know what? I do this. I, I did played a character named Millard the Monkey, and he sounded kind of like this. This is the way he talked." And people would always call me up and go, "Hey, you know, if the guy who ever plays Miller the Monkey ever quits this program, I, I could I do a great Millard the Monkey." And I'm like, "Oh, really? Go ahead and do him for me." And of course, they sound nothing like Millard the Monkey, but it's really fun to, to talk to them. So, those are the fun things that we get to do in in our lives. I think as as actors.
0: Totally. Yeah, I think so. Well, you know what? We're going to have to have you back because mm-hmm. there's just so much more that I think we have. Like there's questions that I have left unanswered here in the dock. I think Jeff can attest to that. seeing them right there. <laughs> and um, it, you know, but that always happens with great conversations that there's always more to be said. So with that, Phil Lawler, we will bid you adieu, but thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure to talk to you again. I haven't oh, talked yes. to you in a while and it's been a great pleasure to talk to you again.
0: Well, thank you. You too. So Phil, um if people want to follow your work, where can they go to find you?
1: Oh boy, you know I wish that I could say, "Oh, just go to this website." I don't have a website. I'm in the process of making one. Um you can go to i uh, if you if you want to follow Adventures in Odyssey, you can go to you can get onto the Adventures in Odyssey fan club. Uh, on Facebook, there's a big, fan, there's a bunch of different uh, Odyssey Adventures and Odyssey fan sites uh, out there that you can do, and I'm on those. So you could probably, uh, I'm I'm usually um, being really snarky with the fans on those things. Oh no, <laughs> probably, not you, <laughs> probably no. Not model, Don't. That's not what I'm really like, honestly. Uh, well, maybe it is. I don't know. At any rate, uh, you can follow me through, through there. Um, and, and then you can follow me on Facebook too. I have my own Facebook page, Phil Waller, um, on Facebook and, uh, but I'm getting, I'm getting some websites together for the books that I'm writing and for some other stuff that I'm doing. Um, and then also I got another little video series that I'm, I'm wanting to put on YouTube. So I've got a lot of stuff in the works and hopefully it'll all be coming together soon. And then, um, and then maybe you can have me back on and I'll tell everybody where to go.
0: Absolutely. That's just exactly what I was thinking. Well, thank you very much. And we'll look forward to having you back sometime soon. Thank you. And that's the way we saw the world through the lens of voiceover this week. Thank you for joining us here on Vox Talk. This is so awesome to talk to Phil Lawler and to hear all about the work that he's doing. I hope you were taking notes because there's some great tips in there for those of you who want to work in audio drama, have a better understanding of what goes into it, and also the role of what a writer-director does. They are very, very different sorts of people. Um, I don't know how common it is that someone is a writer and a director, but you have heard from the best combination possible today on Vox Talk. So for Voices, I'm Stephanie Cicerelli. Our producer is Jeff Bremner. You've been listening to Vox Talk. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. We'll